Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hi there, welcome to this episode of Stories of Hope. My next guest is literally my best friend in church, Thomas Rennick. And this guy is a character, but he has a story that glorifies God and he loves the Lord ever since he got saved. I remember watching his baptism service. I've been privileged to grow alongside him, study the word together, privileged to be at his wedding, to be uh, in, in an honorary capacity of our groomsman or best man, whatever you want to call it. Um, but no, it's it's just great to have a mom. So Thomas, tell us a bit about yourself and how old you are and what you do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll say thank you very much for asking me to do this, Michael. Uh, I just want to start off by wishing your mum and dad a happy wedding anniversary. I, I have seen that and I haven't forgot it. Um, yeah, so no, I say my name's Thomas Warnock. Um, I'm a senior economist and uh, I'm originally from Clock Fern. Um, which I'm, I'm sure some of you have seen on the news recently. Um, and I now hail from Bangor. So we like to call it the Gold Coast down here. Um, nice, some sand and sea. But yes, I'm 25 years of age and I'm married to a wonderful woman called Leanne. Um, this is actually, although we're only 25 and she's 23, this year is actually our third wedding anniversary. Um, as, as hard as it is to believe. But yeah, I um, studied at Queen's University. Um, studied economics and finance and yeah I've been an economist now for for three years and uh, yeah just like anyone else I'm just very thankful to have a job at the minute because you know it, it's just very very difficult times for people and I'm always conscious that you know in life we complain about the silly things like even before this you know I, Michael I'm joking with you about you know needing their haircuts you know if that's our biggest problem in today's world I think that's a good life we have. Exactly, um, I agree with that, I agree with that. So tell us, what does a senior economist do? Yeah, so basically, you know, to some people it sounds great, to others it's the worst idea of a living ever, but yeah, basically I spend my life on a spreadsheet. Um, so we build like macroeconomic models for sometimes it's countries, so like a lot of work in the Middle East, and it's basically just answers the big questions that people want to know with regards to the global economy. So, you know, what, what's going to happen after COVID? You know, how many people are going to lose their jobs? Um, you know, where does the, what does the world look like after this in terms of employment and investment? And yeah, I love it. I've always liked Mars. I've always been good at Mars. And yeah, that's kind of my column was in terms of a, a career anyway. Um, so you're a basic yeah. nerd from Clockburn. Well, yes, this is the thing. I, uh, I used to get some stick um, for like, being the only person in the class doing their homework. Um, but yeah, I think at one point, I'd say I was probably the only person in Clock Fern actually going to Queens at that time. Um, but yeah, it's strange because I grew up my whole my life there and my, whole, my family all still live there. And I mean, after me and Leanne got married, we rented in Clock Fern uh, and Ferna Drive for a year and a half, which is actually... We rented a uh, 30 for a drive and uh, as a kid we lived uh, about three or four doors down in front of drive also so it was kind of nice you know you know grow up get married and move out and the first place we moved to was a house just across the road from where we grew up as children um where my parents started it 
So it's kind of sort of came full circle. But yeah, I'm sure the wash, there's a spare washing machine and laundry service available for you. Well, I'll tell you a funny story actually. Since you've you've mentioned washing machines, um, Leanne's granny from moving in gave us practically a brand new washer dryer, um, and we had got it into the house. But because it was rented, the landlord also had his own washer dryer. Um, so he said he would come and remove his. But whilst we were on honeymoon, Leanne's dad had went down and plumbed in, plumbed in Leanne's granny's washer dryer. And whilst we were away on holiday. Um, landlord texted us saying he'd, he'd, he'd got rid of the, the washing machine and sold it in Gumtree and uh, whenever he sent the photo of the washer dryer he had actually sold Leanne's granny's brand new washer dryer on, Gum, on Gumtree and I decided Leanne was freaking because her granny would hit the roof and I just thought this was the funniest thing and we were sitting in the airport on the way home and I just thought this was absolutely brilliant that our landlord had sold Leanne's granny's washing machine on Gumtree and the only good thing about it was the landlord then bought us a brand new washing machine and uh, let's just say he wasn't, he wasn't too happy yeah. hey, it was the circle of life yeah, well, yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, uh, but yeah. Oh, uh, dear. Went to... For those who are younger listeners, this is what being married is. You get excited over a new washing machine and tumble dryer or a fresh freezer, <laughs> or when you get your sides done, your kitchen or whatever. You know, welcome to married life. Um, well, but... it's, it's so true like my Friday night now it's every Friday night's the same we do the cleaning so we can have a weekend it's like as soon as soon as we finish work right let's get the get the sprays out and get the mop out and get started every Friday night oh yeah <laughs> yes you mop you hoover add this little train house husband there here about a time I've fixed it there but I don't um, <laughs> you, you know it's, it's, it's a skill it's an art it's a treat it's a craft to get the house perfect even though we can't come into each other's houses right now, but you know, I guess this practice for when we would host but, it. But, no. but if I could, I'm sure it'd be absolutely spotless. That's the key thing, you know. Um, That's if the key thing. Hears me rustling and bustling, my kitten's about to have his dinner, and he always does this when I'm recording, preaching, or basically trying to do anything ministry related. Um, likes to make an appearance. Um, so if you see a cat or hear a cat, you're not going mad. So going back to your story, Thomas, tell us about your upbringing. Were you brought up in a Christian home? Were you brought up in a religious home? Just tell us a bit about your family dynamics and things like that. Yeah, so I mean, as a kid, you know, this is very standard story from kids growing up in Northern Ireland. You know, they come from homes that don't have a Christian influence at all. So to this day, sadly to say, me and Leanne are the only saved um, people on both our respective families. Um, and to be honest, I just want to say at that point, it just shows you how much work the church has to do. And we as Christians, that's me and Leanne are the only safe people within our families. Yep. And if you think of an extended family, um, there's so many people we still need to reach. And we pray honestly for our family every day. Um, and yeah, so brought up on a home, you know, we were sent to Boys Brigade, as I think most kids were in this country. Um, yep. we, were ne- we never, ever sent to Sunday school, but I always remember that as a kid, the common complaint in our house was why does Thomas and his brother never win any awards to BB? Remember you Michael, you got, you got your marks. Oh, yeah. and, the reason, and the reason was because we didn't go to church, we lost our mark for not going to church on a Sunday morning. So yeah. my, my, 
<laughs> my mum and dad were always, yes, all them kids that go to church are winning the prizes, but Thomas and Rob can't because we don't go. Uh, you know, and I mean, yeah, it's just a silly story, but I, I always just remember that. But we were brought up with like God-fearing grandparents, but they weren't saved, you know, again. Um, and I'll just give you an example, you know, my granny, you know, it's, she's my last, you know, last surviving grandparent, and she's just the most amazing woman. We call her the queen, and she, she is genuinely like the queen, but and she's... I can confirm that she is the queen. Well, yeah, I, I, this is the thing, and, you know, just fantastic woman, and brought us up from kids, and, you know, even till I was 16, 17, 18, I was still regularly staying at my granny's house. Um, and as to this day, me and Leanne still go every Saturday night and get dinner with her. Um, and always have done uh, since we got married. But she was God-fearing, Michael, um, and always talked about the family Bible. And I remember as a kid that we would have, I have to be honest, that we would have been blatantly, because you growing up at that age, we'd have blatantly disrespected God and the things of God. You know, my granddad would have said things like, I don't know, just, I don't know, just reference biblical things even though he wasn't saved and we had said oh we don't believe in god there's no god and he used to be like that's disgusting i can't believe you're saying that and this is a man i had a real really close relationship with but at that time i just thought it was one big joke you know i was 14 15 and i thought i knew everything you know and that's and my other grandparent my granny my granny hazel um i remember her she she, she actually michael um was you know an anti-abortion campaigner um and used to support young girls who would have got pregnant um back in the days where getting pregnant before you were married was just put out of your home and stuff you, you know you know what i'm talking about um she would have like been support been like a support network for those types of girls who were really young um but again she would have attended white well um at, at times but was never a consistent member um, but we, we always knew the things of God through her. But again, it certainly wasn't a big part of our life at all. Um, yeah, so the yeah, short answer is no, Michael. I, I really had no firm, consistent Christian influence on my life at all. Uh, at all. Um, to be entirely truthful with you. But basically, it's, it's what I see in our culture now, particularly sort of my generation, the, the, the kids born in early and late 90s, so the, the early 2000s, we were born into this selected culture, Christianity. What I mean by that is you were sent to this organization and, that, and that's good because some people do get saved through that, but we never heard the full message, as it were, until later on in life. But those were like foundation stones to what we hear and what we have confessed, which is Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So you're talking about how you said to your grandfather that it's a joke, you know, believing in God. Well, what changed that for you? What was that defining moment that made you want to become a Christian? Yeah, so yeah, where it comes about is that, you know, I, in terms of myself getting saved, you know, I, I don't, I sort of fall in between. You get these types of testimonies where you have people who were growing up in a Christian home. They had a consistent, constant Christian influence on their life from parents or grandparents. They went to Sunday school, went to church, BB, um, missions, youth groups, and any of the other way people who had a very hard upbringing or no Christian influence and sort of, I think most of them would admit potentially off the rails at times. And then they have this revelation that they need God in their life. I was somewhere in between, Michael. You know, I was, I was always a respectful person. 
Um, you know, I, I never dabbled in drugs. You know, I never was a heavy drinker. You know, I was just your bog standard young 17, 18 year old who, yes, thought he knew everything, but was very much a family person. You know, he loved his family, loved his grandparents. And yeah, I, I say yeah, mature. I think my family would say boring. Um, but <laughs> I, I, was, I was mature well beyond my years because I always spent time in the company of my grandparents, Michael, very similar to you. You've been used to spending time with your people well beyond your years. And you start to act like that even at a younger age. But yeah, so when I, I went to Ballyclare High School, um, and without naming names, basically there was a girl there that I became very, very friendly with to the point that I thought she was the bee's knees. Um, not gonna lie, I fancied her, something shocking. But the key issue was she was a Christian and I wasn't. And basically, as I wasn't a Christian, she would not entertain the fact to go out with me at all. And as a non-Christian, I thought this was horrific. And I was like, oh my word, I'm so good to you. You've admitted you like me that way, but we can't go any further because I'm not saved. And the sort of friendship developed and, you know, the feelings grew stronger on both ways, but we couldn't act on it. She would not, she, yeah, she just said she could not go out with me. So I, I started going to church with her and her family. And I have to be honest, they're an unbelievable family. And, you know, I, I'll never forget it. Her mom gave me, I think, was it 50 pounds? To buy my first Bible and me and this girl went and I still actually use this Bible um, much must much, much Leanne's disliking uh, <laughs> I actually this is still the Bible I, I use um, we went to the faith mission shop in Belfast and bought this Bible and I started going every single Sunday with them um, up to church and my dad either would have brought me up to their house and then we left together to go to church as a unit or the girl would have came and picked me up and brought me there. And I just always remember Michael listening. And at the start, it was more of just me sitting there respectfully listening. Um, I've always been inquisitive, but I just sat and listened. And at the end, how their communion worked was that, you know, at the end of the service, basically, if you don't want to take partake, you can leave or you can sit and just let it pass by. So this family started leaving because they didn't want me to feel uncomfortable. And I remember sitting thinking that, you know, First of all, there's a, there's a compassion there that they don't want me feeling uncomfortable uh, in this situation. And then I started to want to know what makes these people so understanding. Um, so I, I, I kept going. And I remember just going home and saying, well, to be honest, there was ulterior motives, Michael. I wanted to go out with this girl. Um, and I've no, no two ways about it. That is the main reason I was going to church on a Sunday morning. Um, and that, that's just how it was. And I remember coming home a bit, but sitting, Michael, just thinking, you know, there has to be more to this. So I prayed probably the, probably the first time. I mean, I had prayed in years. Um, I was basically just as simple as it was. Basically, if there's a God, I believe in you. You know what I mean? Please save me. But it was because I was immature, Michael. I was 17 years of age. You know, I did have ulterior motives. So I, I remember... I remember th I was just thinking, happy days, that's me saved, that's me forgiven. As immature as it was, uh, so immature in the faith, Michael, you know, I had no grounding at all. Um, and I remember getting in and saying, Sheriff, I'm saved. And she, I never forget it, she, she could not believe it. She was over the moon. She ran, told everyone from the scripture union and church, and I remember them all coming around. And to them, this was some big event. And I remember sitting thinking that, you know, how amazing is this that these people actually are overjoyed for me, like how big a deal this was. But uh, to me in heart of hearts, Michael, I didn't know if I was saved or not. 
you know what I mean? I, I, it has maybe been to church once or twice in the past 10 years. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I just say, oh, God, forgive me. Um, you know, I accept you into my heart. And I, oh, there's me. There's no real, no, there's no, I didn't put my heart behind it, Michael, you know. Um, but that was fine. And, you know, as, as time went on, she brought me to Whitewell. Which I, where I still am, and I'll never forget my first ever night in Whitewell. It's a Good Friday service, and there's like a there's like an African family in, in Whitewell. They're still there, and I'll never forget the two women were dancing in front of me, and I remember I started like move swim swim my shoulders and doing the same thing because it was fantastic. Um, and I just loved this. It was so charismatic, um, and I just said, Chef, I love this place," and she was like, "Well, I have my own church." I don't want to go here. I just wanted to show you because they have a good Friday service and my church doesn't. And I went, oh, okay. And that was fine. And I continued going on my own. And I went on my own for months and months. Um, as you know, Michael, you know, that's how I started going on my own. Yep. Um, and then got saved under the ministry of, of David. And I didn't, or Pastor David, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't put my hand up or anything or didn't respond to, you know, an altar call or, you know, walk up during any of the missions. Um, but yeah, and I think from there, Michael, I, 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 in terms of give you some stories about, you know, how things have changed. Um, you know, I remember sitting on the train on the way into Belfast and there was a like, wee old lady sitting across from me, you know, the four seaters in the trains, Michael. Um, and we were just sitting and we're just sort of chatting. And she was just about to get off the train. She says to me, son, are you saved? And I says, I am indeed. He says, I knew just by how you carried yourself over the last 10 minutes. And Michael, we didn't talk about God. We didn't talk about the things of God. We didn't talk about church. She just knew. And I remember saying that, you know what? This just shows that Christians, there's a, there's a glue of Christians you know. I, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I can just tell within seconds that someone's saved. Um, and yeah, it's I just like where, where, where I came from, um, you know, there's, there wasn't much hope um, for a lot of people. I mean, I, I never felt that way, but you, you, you talk about deprivation and lack of opportunities. And, you know, my parents always pushed me, as did my grandparents, in the education and the better myself. But I think the thing, Michael, that sort of really changed my look, outlook in life was guys that I'd went to school with. Um, I was coming home from church one night. And guys that I, and I had, you know, I was starting to go to university, was doing well for myself. And the guys that I would have hung around with at school were standing on that Friday night at 10 o'clock, kicking a football against the, the end of a chippy wall. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what, Thomas, that could have been you. You know, and I think it was just that realization that, you know what, I have an opportunity here to reach in the different world. And that world is a corporate world. You know, it's, I have a unique opportunity where I get to speak to people about God quite frequently in work. Um, and, you know, as, as thankful as I am, Michael, I'm, I'm placed in a workplace where probably 40% of the 20-odd people that are actually saved. Um, yeah, like I, I call us the God Squad, like, and that's what it's like, you know, within my small team, probably 70, 80% of us are saved. Um, but yeah, that's... That's kind of how I get into the things of God, Michael. You know, there, there was a woman at the heart of it. Um, and just from there, I started to take, you know, going to church more seriously, listening to the word more seriously, starting to read the word more seriously. And it's, it's kind of, I know it's a cliche, but it did come alive. You know, I can, you know, there's communion services that I remember Pastor McConnell taking. And, you know, he's talking about, you know, the life that the Lord took for us. 
um, you know, 40 save one, said the law. You know, I think, I'm sure you've seen that clip, Michael. It's done rounds on Facebook for a long time. Every time I see that, it puts tears in my eyes. And I, 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 all, I watch that clip over and over with Leanne because it does brings it all down to one moment. That, you know, as Christians, we all too often just use the word God or we use the word Jesus, but we need, this was a man. Yeah. You know what I mean? This was a human. Um, yeah, I, I, remember, I remember that clip you're talking about and the presence of God was in that meeting. And when you boil it all down to, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the most beautiful thing about the gospel is that we never got it right. We sinned and we fallen short of the glory of God, but God gave his only begotten son to seek us. And he saw the worst of us, but saved us and lifted us and changed us and forgave us and made us new. And the hope for the gospel is for all. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I love hearing your testimony because it is refreshing. And it's during that time you also met Leanne. And I remember, I always remember this. The two of them got baptized on the same service. I remember, it was, it was, I think it was like 4th of July, I think. It was the 12th day. It was the 12th day, yes. Everyone yeah. thinks that was manufactured. I promise you, it, it was, was just a coincidence. <laughs> it was the 12th of July, 20. Was it thereabouts? 14, 15? Uh, I think it was 15. Yeah, I think it was 15. It would have been actually, yeah, because I'd have been what, 18? Yeah, yeah that's right. That was yeah, 2015. Time, so that's how I remember. I was watching the service. Oh, my. yeah. Yeah, and, and, in terms of Leanne, yes, yeah, just to say a bit on that. I mean, you know Leanne very well now, Michael, but you know, Leanne, I know every husband says this about their wife, but genuinely, uh, your wife being a nurse as well, Michael, they're just they're special people. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a special person to be a nurse. And, you know, nurses are not only special because of the job they do, but that typically extends to their family life. They're the most current, um, you know, selfless people you'll ever meet. And that is Leanne. You know, she'll go out of her way to make sure someone else is happy, even if that means that deep down she's not happy. And, you know, to me, that is the definition of being a Christian. Going out of our way to do things for people that necessarily put us out of our comfort zone so that we can make other people's lives better. Mm. And, you know... I would always say that, you know, I know you're a big believer in this, Michael, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, every every day how we live our lives is a reflection on Christ. And that can be the simplest of things. Everyone focuses on the maybe, you know, such and such, so they drink, they smoke. Hey, that may be so, but I like to look at that the other way. People looking at you and going, listen, you know what? Look what they do for charity. Look how they help food banks. Look how they help the poor. Look how they help the elderly. Something as simple as cutting a pensioner's garden. You know, people look at that. You know, I, I always say, my granny, um, she lives in Ralph Fern, and she constantly tells me about a church in the local area, Abbots Cross Presbyterian. Every summer, they come up and they cut her hedges, and um, they cut her gardens, and she always says that she tries to give them money for it, and they refuse to take it. And the thing, what, what, what I'm saying this is that it gets my granny, who doesn't talk about the things of God often, to talk about the things of God. Because she looks and goes, why is a 20-year-old giving up their Saturday afternoon to what she would call the cut an old fool's garden? And, you know, we just need to remember that as Christians, that is how we get into the community. Doing something that isn't directly related to so-called things of God, but it leads on to that conversation. Um, And just in general, Christianity, it keeps us so grounded. 
you know, being in the church, you see, I think this generation lives in the so-called Instagram world, you know, that everything seems perfect. And it's far from it. And being in church, you see the poverty, you see the hurt, you see the illnesses. Um, you know, because I attended White Well on my own for so long, I feel into a wee group of, <laughs> like, kill me for saying this, of old men, um, you know, the, the yeah, Ernie's. Just to, just to clarify, these old men are certainly God-fearing men that love the word, study the word, encourage you and pray for you. And that's a good thing. And for young men or women listening, getting, have that old person as a mentor in your life, and it will change, it will Bless your faith going forward. I don't know if Thomas would agree, but that's what I think. No, listen, Michael, I totally agree. And I, I think sometimes, you know, we're so focused on maybe moving towards the youth of the church. I'm just not talking about our church, the church in general, that sometimes we forget that the old people have lived this. Some received 50, 60, 70 years. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, you've obviously Ernie. I'm talking about Ernie, Bobby, Andy. You know, Robert, you know, guys that sort of took me in as one of their own when I had no one within that setting. You know, anyone who knows Whitewell at that time, you know, we had 16, 1700 people consistently going. I was nothing more than this skinny, lanky guy drifting in and sitting on his own. And these guys took me in. Um, and ever since then, I, we still sit in the exact same seat with these people. And sadly, we've lost Andy and very recently Bobby. But, you know, that spirit's still there. And just to give a, you know, a quick story on that, there's a wee lady in our church, Michael, um, again, and well in their 80s. And, you know, she's most unassuming wee woman, she just comes in, sits down. Me and Leanne started, started to visit her just because she was so kind to us. Um, yeah, I'll never forget it. We, we did the front door at the church and we were getting married. And this wee lady has Facebook and she handed us a card. I went, like, thank you very much. She said, I heard you got engaged. And we thought nothing off. We just thought, how kind. And we got home, there was a £50 note on it. She gave us £50. And that lady knew us nothing from other than doing that front door. So we started visiting her, Michael. And this wee woman who came on her own that very few people paid attention to had led study prayer groups up in the city hospital for years. Um, st you know, study groups for the doctors and the nurses. Um, you know, was saved for 50 years you know, led prayer campaigns over the hospitals in Northern Ireland. And this is someone that maybe no one had ever stopped and actually asked, what's your story? She did, you know what I mean? And for the first time in years, she was able to sit and tell someone, this is what I've done. And, you know, I totally agree, Michael. We need to learn from the old, not the young. The old are the ones with the experience. Um, and they're often overlooked. Yeah, but... I, I agree in that sense. Yes, we need we, we the young generation as so far. We don't know the things grow, but yet we can learn from the experience has because when you read Paul in his latter letters he bears his soul about things he mentors Timothy as is his own physical son but as a spiritual son in the faith and there needs to be that harmony going forward so you've went through all these things but what would you say to someone who was like yourself skeptical um, studious loves the family but doesn't know God not interested yeah, what I would say is that, you know, see, just because I wasn't a so-called bad person, that doesn't mean I didn't need saved. You know, I, I needed saved just as much as the worst person that has ever lived. You know, I needed much saved as someone who has all the money in the world. And I think that's what I have to say to people that, you know, just because you have this nice, comfortable life and you do see yourself as a good person, sadly, that doesn't qualify you for paradise. 
And, you know, we, we do sometimes always hear this, that, oh, but I'm a good person. I think it's probably the number one thing. I'm sure you come across it a lot, Michael, now you're preaching so much more, that, so much that, you know, why do I need a God to tell me how to live my life when I'm a good person? Why would a God send someone like that to hell? That's that's not how it works. You know, we we need to have a faith in an everlasting, ever faithful God. Um, and I would just say that to people that, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, I sometimes think that people do feel afraid to ask the so-called silly questions. I don't think there's ever a silly question in faith because the man who knows everything has never been born, um, except for the Lord himself, of course. But it's 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 so true. Um, you know, I, I do sometimes think that when people come into a church, they do feel they can't ask silly questions. And I know I've, I would have asked Robert the silliest of questions um, that he would have, you know, probably thought to himself, what's this guy? What's this guy talking about? How does he not know this? But he never, ever once indicated to me that I was a fool. He helped me, he showed me. Um, and then I was then able to put that into practice in my own life because I met Leanne. And when I met Leanne, she was the opposite to me. She grew up in a home that although her family weren't saved, they very much knew the things of God. Leanne was in Sunday school and went to everything you can imagine for years and did attend church on a Sunday. But Leanne, believe it or not, even though had that, was far more lost than I was um, in the sense that she was much more further down the track uh, in the trying to push the things of God further and further away. But because of what had been shown from other people and the love that had been shown from the people of Whitewell, um, once I started going out with Leanne, Leanne then started coming to Whitewell with me. And the things that I had just learned like two weeks before, I was then saying to Leanne as if I had known them for 20 years. You know, it's just, it's about passing that on to other people. And then Leanne started coming to church, Leanne got saved. Uh, and now Leanne could teach me a thing or two. So it's just, uh, it's just by passing that on. And I mean, the ultimate aim is to be fishers of men. You know, it's, it just, there's, there's no point um, being saved just to sit in your comfort zone. Um, I know we all go through that. I mean, we all do have those periods. We do get down about things. We think, you know, why are we not getting answers to prayers? Well, you know, why is revival we're praying so hard for? Why is it not here? Why does it feel as if things are actually going the other way? That not only is there not a revival, it looks as if the fire is going out. Um, but this, it's just not to get disheartened. Because um, just remember, there's people being saved every single day. Every every minute of every day. Um, but yeah, I think one thing I always look at, Michael, is, you know, when the Lord after the resurrection, uh, doubting Thomas, um, basically he was saying that unless I see the wounds in his hands, I will not believe. And I always quote this to people, you know, when the Lord saw him, um, and he said, blessed is he that has not seen yet still believed. And that is something we need to remember. We may not physically be able to see the face of the Lord when we look out our window or we open our eyes in the morning, but he is there. Um, he is there every minute of every day. And just remember that, that that's what he said to Thomas, um, that blessed is he that has not seen yet still believe. Um, and I think if you just remember that in moments you get down, you start to question your faith, uh, just remember that he is always there. And, you know, he, he's lifted worse than us out of it and lifted them up to glory. Um, you know, so that's just what I would say, Michael, you know, just, just because we live in a generation, we think we have all the answers because we point to science or we've got a degree. And 
I think sometimes there's this misconception that, you know, Christians are less intelligent. Well, I know that is very much not the case. Uh, they're some of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And it's, there's certainly not a correlation between IQ and being a Christian um, in a negative light anyway, certainly not a negative correlation. So, um, I mean, Michael, something me and you always talk about, there seems to be this perception as well that to be a Christian, you have to, it means you have to be born. It means you can't laugh. You know, you, you can't have friends. You can't leave your house. It's 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 the best thing. Honestly, my life is the best it has ever been. Um, how can it not be when you, I, the God I believe in is a God of joy. It's a God of love. It's a God of forgiveness. Um, it is a father figure who, yes, will chastise us when we're wrong, but ultimately it's to lead to us being, you know, re- reunited with him in glory. Um, and, you know, for every, you know, the Bible may tell us, you know, you, you know what? Thomas, you've made a mistake, you've done wrong, but you know what? There's a father there who's always willing to listen, um, who will always forgive, um, provided you truly repent. And yeah, I just think that, and I just want to say at this point, Michael, guys like you, you know, I know I've mentioned the likes of Robert and Ernie and Ruth, but you yourself, you know, it's young guys like you, I feel comfortable going to, and always have done since I went to Whitewell. Um, and the church needs people like yourself guys do you feel comfortable opening up to because it's not easy um when you come in from a background like mine that didn't really know the things of god to someone like you who was similar because as i said earlier with your grandas and um, with your dad you were always around intellects people who made you far more mature than above your ears who maybe at school you were maybe the person who people thought that he does his homework he's born but you know what you know yourself, Michael, you would never have spent them days any different than what you have with your granda. Um, and I'm the same, legends in the faith. And that's, I say, never never be ashamed of your faith um, and never be ashamed of what you believe. Because at the end of the day, as we all know, those who honor me, I shall honor. Isn't that right, Michael? Amen to that. And with that being said, what is your favorite verse or have you given it away? Oh, no, I think one I always think of, and I mean, again, I think this is because, you know, when people do get down their faith, and especially during COVID, you know, people, yeah, people are probably dying, and people are locked up all day, people are losing their jobs, you know, people are trying to get jobs, you know, we're, we're not able to see family members, and I just, I know this is easier said than done, but uh, my favorite verse is, has always been, rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances. Flats God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I mean, I think again, rejoice always. That's hard when you just lost your job. You know what? God's still on the throne. Um, pray continuously. That's hard when you've just, you know, I don't know, you can't see your granny, you can't see your mom, but you know what? God's still on the throne. Um, and give thanks in all circumstances. Well, you know what? That's very difficult in the current current environment, but you know what? God's still on the throne. And we just always need to remember that, that there's a father there who loves us and wants us to be fishers of men. And yeah, I think that has to be my favorite. Uh, what would your favorite, Michael? Come on, you might as well tell me yours. Of course, I might as well tell me. Mine's been my life first ever since Revival 11 after I lost my ground across. In John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And the first you quote was First Thessalonians uh, 5, verses 16 to 18. 18, yeah. Well, the thing is, what you've just said there, actually, it's interesting. Your verse is actually very much related to mine. You let not your heart be troubled. You know, similar, you know, I mean, rejoice. Yours is kind of, you know, in the circumstances where your heart 
does become trouble with difficult things, you know, do, try not to let it become trouble, but even whilst it is, still rejoice, still pray, still give thanks. Um, exactly, because in, in, even in King David in Psalm 60, I think it is, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's about looking, instead of looking at yourself, you're looking to God. And when Peter stepped out of the boat, when he was walking on the water to meet the Lord, he took his eye off the Lord and focused on the storm and he began to sink. And in life, we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We have this everlasting hope. That yes, we can rejoice always, and no matter what season of life we're in, because as you said, Thomas, he is on the throne. Exactly, and I mean, it's it's just something you always remember. And I mean, maybe maybe it's worth saying as well, Michael. That you know, I know we always hear this. You know, being a Christian's not supposed to be easy. It was never promised to be easy. We we know we're to be persecuted. We know we're going to be mocked, laughed at. We're always going to be society, the butt of society's joke. But I mean, and, and, and even in my own life, Michael, in the islands, when I got saved, I lost a lot of friends because friends that on a Friday, Saturday night, that it was a given that we were going out, all of a sudden, I didn't want to. Um, and again, this was when I was very young in the faith, Michael. I was, you know, I thought I was saved, but knew nothing about the gospel, but I just, I just lost the desire. And people were all of a sudden saying, why not? Why not? Um, and I mean, oh, no, I don't want to go tonight. And then I met Leanne. And all of a sudden, I just wanted to spend my time. Like, I was classy Sunday for me, Michael. When I was a kid, it was the worst day of the week. You know, we basically, it was, it was the night you went to bed, the bed early because the weekend was in. You had to go to school the next day. You know, there was never anything on TV in the evenings. Um, we never left the house because I was too young to drive or do anything. Whereas, see now, I look forward to every single day, including Sunday, because you know what? There's always something we can do to help people. Um, and you grow, you learn something every day. And I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot more we could do as Christians, me included. I mean, I hold my hand up. Every day I sit and I think, Thomas, why on earth have you not done this earlier? Why have you not? Why are you not doing this? Um, but no, as I say, I've always had good mentors like yourself for five, six years now, Michael. And, um, long may I continue. Um, yeah, I'm sure it will. Likewise, I've been to you and the presence of the in Christ after all. So I'm not gonna forget that. Or not gonna forget that, even forgive that, forget that, sorry. Um <laughs> but no, thank you, Thomas, for coming on Stories of Hope. And just before I close, if there's someone here and you were like Thomas, it's a joke there is no God, but then now you're starting to think after hearing this testimony. Well, maybe there is a God, but I'm okay, I'm a good person, like you said before. Okay. You may say, oh, I'm a good person, I do this, that, now let's put that to the test, okay? Have you ever committed, have you ever said a lie, even a white lie? Okay. Have you ever, have you ever looked at someone of the opposite sex lustfully? We all have. Jesus says, have you even lost a woman, lost after a woman? You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever took the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever took something, even though he's sweeter a pen from work? Well, God doesn't see you as a good person because you're a liar, cheater, thief, an adulterer at heart. So you're not a good person. But here's the thing. The law that shows us how we should live a holy life tells us how crooked we are. But grace comes along and straightens us out. And that 
is Jesus Christ. We couldn't get it right, but someone who did get it right came for us. We can't clean ourselves up. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags in his presence. But God came in and he clothed us with righteousness and forgiveness. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see what we used to be, the liar, the thief, the cheater, whatever you have done. He sees his son, but you only do that through faith in the finished work of the cross. So I'm going to do a quick prayer. And if you pray to get in touch with a local church and thank you for listening. So let's just pray together and just repeat this prayer after me. I don't know where you're at. It's probably if you're listening to on a run or a workout or on the bus or anywhere. Pray it with all your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are God who hears prayer. Thank you that you are real. You love me. Give yourself for me. Forgive me of all my sin and shame. I give my life to you. I want you in my life. For you are the way, the truth and the life. There is joy found in you. There is peace found in you. And there is love, everlasting love in you. Help me to serve you. Help me to follow you. I ask this, knowing that you've saved me and knowing that you'll keep me. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you, Thomas, for coming on Stories of Hope. Uh, thank you for listening. I pray that this has blessed you as it's blessed me. You listen to the story. And tune in for our next episode next week. Until then, take care, stay safe, and God bless you. Bye-bye. Now take care.